Today, we are wrapping up the series that we have been in over the last month, I Do, as we're talking about marriage and relationships. And I've said throughout this series that every week, the principles apply to every relationship in your life. But we've been gearing this and focusing this toward marriages primarily. But I would say this, that, that it's possible that the biggest help in this series might be for the people who one day would like to get married. Because <laughs> there's, a, there's a little quote that maybe you've heard before, and I'm going to put this up on the screens. It says this, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. How many have ever heard of that before? Right? It's way better, way easier to actually deal with something on the front end than have to fix it on the back end, okay? And this is true in relationships. And so I hope for some of you young people, I hope some of you that are desiring relationships, I hope that you are listening. And maybe you need to go back and re-listen to some of these messages because they will set you up for success if you can actually get a hold of these things now. Uh, but I will say this, that Amber and I, and specifically me, right, I have learned the hard way when it came to this. Okay, uh, back when Amber, I mentioned a, our story a little bit of how we met each other, how I first kind of uh, was crushing on her. I said that a couple weeks ago. And, uh, but, so we started dating. I had been dating a different girl for like five years and I almost immediately jumped into dating Amber. Not a great idea, okay? So we, we jumped straight into dating, okay? And we get about two, or two months into dating or so and I started, uh, I went left for the summer and I was in this traveling group. And about a month into traveling, I'm like, what am I doing, dating this girl, whatever? Why, why, I don't really, I don't think this is right, whatever. And so what did I do? I, I, I broke up with Amber, okay? Horrible thing. I'm a horrible guy, I know. Some of you are like, uh, I'm a horrible guy. Okay, so I break up with Amber. And uh, what was funny was that she was like, excuse me? Because she was the cool girl and nobody broke up with her. She's the one who would break up with other people, right? She's like, what is going on? This is bizarro world, whatever. So we break up, whatever. The summer happens, I come back. But luckily, we get back together at the end of the summer. And then one week later, I broke up with her a second time. And so I was a really good boyfriend. Like, this is awesome, right? So, so that's fine. It's not a big deal, though, because eventually, eventually we got back together. And then I broke up with her for a third time. Okay, this was a little bit, a little bit of a challenging, tumultuous relationship. And so... So even, I told her, like, okay, if we ever are going to get back together again, I'm going to go ask your dad. I'm going to, like, show that this is serious. So I, I asked her dad, hey, I'm going to come ask permission just to date her, like, because I know I had messed things up. So the funny thing is I go to say, hey, I, hey, I know things have been a little, uh, a little dicey, you know, but I, I'm really serious this time and whatever. And he's like, ah, she breaks up with guys all the time. <laughs> I'm like, he, he didn't care that much. It was really funny. But anyway, so eventually... Eventually, we got married. It was great. And, but the problem is, how many of you know when you've broken up with somebody three times, that can produce trauma and scars a little bit? Okay. Same thing happened. I mentioned back in week number one that I messed up the leaving and cleaving thing a little bit. Okay. And that produced trauma and unnecessary scars in our relationship. And it, and it took years to deal with those. And even at times, some of those things can still come out at times because that's how life is. And so I want to challenge those of you who are yet to step in. The earlier you can deal with things, the better. What, but whether or not it's prevention or whether or not it's a cure for something you are currently dealing with, we all know that it is critical that we get things right in our relationships. It's, it is critical that we do that. And pursuing growth in our relationships and being willing to work at it is critical. But in order for this to happen, we need one thing. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Okay? If you got your Bibles, would you turn with me to Mark chapter 9? 
Mark chapter 9, beginning in verse number 17. And as you're turning there, would you stand with me across the room as we're going to read our text this morning? I've got a little story that we want to read here from Mark chapter 9. It says this, beginning in verse number 17. It says, a man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son, he's talking to Jesus, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him on the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You believing or unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water or to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word and that you do want to speak to us, God. And Lord, I pray for every single one of us, wherever we're at, Lord, I pray that you would take this truth and dig it into our heart. And then, God, I pray that you would take this action and help it impact our relationships. Pray that in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. You can be seated. So this, is, this guy is probably my favorite character in the Bible, okay? I'm going to be honest, other than Jesus, okay? Jesus is number one always. But other than Jesus, this guy is my favorite character in the Bible because I resonate with this guy, right? Can anybody else resonate with this guy here a little bit? You know, you get this story, what's going on? Is this, this guy's got the sons filled with the spirit, all these problems, whatever, and he comes to Jesus and he's begging because he hears about Jesus. Jesus can do anything. He can heal anybody, right? He's like, yes, this is what I got to get my son to this guy. It's the only hope he has. And he gets him and says, can you do this? Can, can you? Jesus is like, if, if I can. He's like, don't, don't you believe? <laughs> the guy's response, I do believe. Help my unbelief. And I think a lot of us can resonate with that feeling in life. There are plenty of times where I'm like, yeah, God, I trust in you. My faith is in you. My hope is in you. Help my trust. <laughs> Help me have faith. Help me put my hope in you because I don't always feel that way. Sometimes I'm wrestling this thing. I think that's normal for every single one of us. But, but what I love is, is the fact that this guy comes to Jesus with this honesty, but he comes with an attitude and a posture that I think is critical, and it's this. His, his posture is that of humility. You see, he doesn't come to Jesus acting like he has it all together, like he's, oh, yes, yes, I don't don't distrust you at all. No, I have it all perfect. I got that. No, he doesn't come with any of that. He comes with his honest need. And what is Jesus' response to this posture, this humility that he expresses? He does exactly what he asked. He says, you know what? I'll meet you where you're at. It's okay that you don't have it all together. It's okay. Like you, whatever you do have, I'm willing to lean in there and I'm willing to help you. And so when it comes to faith, I think every one of you need to understand this. There are times you're like, oh God, I don't know if I have enough faith. Hey, Jesus said all you need is a faith the side of a mustard seed. Just start. Start the journey. God, God will make up for our lack so much <laughs> when it comes to this faith journey. All right, so you don't have to freak out on that one. Right? Just, just come to him. Be honest with him. Bring your heart before him, okay? 
But the principle and this, this attribute, this humility, I think is equally critical when it comes to our relationships. And so I want to get to our big so what. We're going to start there, and then we've got a lot longer, guys, so chill out, okay? <laughs> big so what this morning is this. Healthy relationships begin with humility. Healthy relationships begin with humility. When we think about humility, I think it's really easy to think about that after, oh, that's a Christian thing you got to do. I got to be humble. I, that's what, like Jesus says, I got to be humble, so I should be humble, you know, and try to be a humble person, all this kind of thing. But it, it's so much more than that. No, it's an invitation. In fact, Jesus says, this is the way of my kingdom. Humility is the way of my kingdom. And if you want to experience the good things in my kingdom, you want to experience the life I have you, it's, it's through this step of saying, I, I'm going to lay myself down. I'm going to choose humility even when it isn't comfortable for me. And when it comes to our relationships, hear this, healthy relationships begin with humility. Because so often we come to relationships thinking we've got it all together. Like, I've got it all together, and they're the ones that have the problem. And when it comes to marriage, how many know we get really guilty of this? Right? Every time there's an issue in the relationship, it's so easy to point the finger, their problem, their problem, their problem. It's not what is my issue, it's no, what is their issue? How can they fix things and be a better spouse? But the challenge is, what, what would happen if we started our relationships? Whoever it is, maybe it's your relationship with your spouse. Maybe it's a relationship with a coworker. Maybe it's a relationship with a child. Maybe it's a relationship with a parent, with a teacher, with a friend, whatever it is. What if you would start with a heart posture of humility to say, you know what? I want to be a good husband, but I don't really fully know how to do that. And I'm willing to learn. I'm going to go seek my spouse out to say, how can I grow to love you better? I'm going to go get help from other people. I might seek wisdom from those around me. I might look to others. I might say, hey, I want to do do this. And I think I am an okay husband, but I'm going to try to to pursue and to grow and to have a humility that says, you know what? There's still further work I can do in my heart. There's more that I can do to become stronger and healthier in my relationship. What if you as a a wife were saying, hey, hey, I want to be a good wife. I want to be a good wife. You know what? but I need some help in this area. I, I, I need to grow. Hey, I'm gonna seek wisdom from other people. I'm gonna seek wisdom from my spouse. I'm gonna look to say, how can I grow in this relationship? A posture that says, I'm not done yet. I don't have it all together, right? I can lower myself. I can look in a mirror. We talked about that a few weeks ago. I can look in a mirror and say, hey, where do I need to grow? Say, I'm gonna choose to pursue more health. I'm gonna pursue to grow in this way. I'm not going to accept that, hey, this is how it is. This is how, I, this is how I relate as a husband. This is how I live as a wife. No, no, no. I'm going to say, I can choose humility here. And guess what? Next year, things could be health, healthier than they are today in this relationship because of the heart posture I choose. It's not just going to happen on accident. See, my uh, former pastor used to say this all the time. He said, the three hardest words for anybody to say is, I need help. I need help. Because we don't like that. I, I think about my kids. My kids, when they, uh, you know, they, when they were really young and they were trying to open like a, a bottle or something like that, and you know there's no chance they're going to get that bottle open. <laughs> like, hey, you want me to help you? No, I got this myself. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. No, you aren't. You aren't going to open that bottle. I don't care how hard you try, you're not going to get that bottle open. But the moment when they finally could have some humility and say, okay, dad, could you help me? I'm there to help out. And a lot of times in our relationships, 
in our lives, we get to places where we're like, I can do this myself. I can figure it out myself. The pride that exists in our heart gets us to a place where we're like, we can't look to anybody else for help. But the invitation to, to health means, hey, I've got to humble myself and say, I need help. I need, I need some wisdom. Maybe that means I need help from my spouse. Maybe that means I need to step into some counseling. Maybe that means I need to pursue wisdom from another pastor or another friend or a, or a mentor in my life, whatever, but I need someone else. I can have humility to say, I want to continue growing and I'm not going to just try and do it all by myself. That's the start. You want healthy relationships? There's going to be a moment in your life where you're going to have to humble yourself and say, I need help, Okay. And so this morning, if you're willing to have that posture, we wanted to end our series on marriage and relationships on a very practical note. Be very, very, because we've talked about a lot of principles throughout this series, and, but I want to give some very practical tips for this. And uh, I'm actually going to invite Amber up here first. She's going to join me up on the stage. Come on, join me, Amber. Um, Now, we're, I feel like I should get to tell my side of the story. Oh, what? Not exactly how it went. Whatever. Anyways, I'll keep going. Okay. It's always two sides to a story, everyone. Two sides, there are. Uh, but this morning, we're, we're not up here because we're the geniuses when it comes to relationships. Uh, we're up here because we can be honest, like, hey, it doesn't always work out the way you want it. Everything isn't perfect all the time. You've got to grow. You've got to work. In fact, Amber and I, this past fall, both of us, for a totally different reason, we stepped into counseling. We said, hey, we need some help in this area. We need to get healthier. And the, the benefit, the positive, the unplanned was that it ended up actually helping us in our relationship as well. But that wasn't the pursuit initially. Um, but it's cool how that happens. But this morning, we needed some, some real help from some people who know what they're talking about. And clearly. so, clearly. So, we are inviting up, uh, we've got a couple of uh, uh, people in our congregation who are professional counselors. And uh, they love Jesus, but they also have wisdom in this area of life. And so, can you give it up for Jeff Shavy and Lindsay Hansen as they join us up on the stage? <laughs> Awesome. We are, uh, we're so grateful to have you guys. I, just know this, they've, they've been a resource for Amber and I on multiple occasions uh, as they have, uh, there's possible some people in our congregation who have gone to them as help, um, but they're also just support for us because there are times when we got questions and we don't know how to answer them. And uh, so can you just introduce yourself real quick? Just give us a little picture of who you are. I'm Lindsay Hansen. Uh, I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor. That doesn't really mean much besides... I'm a licensed therapist, um, and I've been doing this for about 10 years. Um, I have a practice here in Burnsville, and I see teens through adults, and I deal with depression, anxiety, trauma, relationships, divorce, parenting, all that stuff. Oh, and substance abuse, too. There you go. Awesome. Jeff. It's like Pastor said, my name is Jeff Shavy. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. Same thing. Ditto kind of thing. Um, and also clinical director at a company by the name of Life Stance Health. I've been doing this, this is my 19th year. Just kind of You're bittersweet so old, to say. Jeff. I know the gray is coming. But it is coming. It's bittersweet. But you still have your hair. I know, so, I still <laughs> So that's awesome. I didn't want to go there. <laughs> He's so nice. You dug yourself that hole. That's all right, that's right. Exactly. No, but... Uh, we wanted to give them an opportunity just to be able to reflect on some of the things we talked about over the last few weeks and be able to speak some real practical stuff. And so guess what? 
Some of the stuff you're like, oh, I get that already, but there might be a nugget for every single one of you. So I would encourage you to kind of tie in here and, and listen in because I think God has something for every one of us. And we've just been praying that God would use this time to be able to speak to our hearts and give us advice for how we can step forward in our relationships. And so I remember back, this was like a month ago or a month or two ago when we started talking about this, I just mentioned to you guys, what would be the biggest thing? Like, what's the biggest issue that you see when it comes to marriages? And both of you kind of had the same word that kind of popped up and the word was selfishness. <laughs> And so can you, why don't you just kind of share a little bit about that? Um, so something that I like to uh, reference when I think about selfishness and relationships in general is a team analogy. So if you think about, say you're on the same baseball team, or if you're on a baseball team and you're both, like there's two of you in the outfield, three of you in the outfield, two of you are going for the same ball, and you're like, I got it, I got it. No, it's mine, it's mine. And neither of you like defer to the other in that moment. You're like, no, it's mine. You're gonna collide, neither of you are gonna catch the ball. Yeah. And you're, you're both gonna lose. And so I think about that a lot with selfishness in relationships is it's not about you winning that argument or it's not about you getting what you want. It's what's gonna work best for the team and this play specifically. And I think there's this ele element with selfishness, like you're, you're so focused on your own happiness in that. At that point, when you're just focused on doing what makes you happy, because that's what society says, like that should be the goal, you stop taking responsibility for things. You stop taking responsibility for the relationship being at the state that it is in, and you stop putting in the work to try to make it better. And at that point, you're just kind of left chasing things something that's never going to be there until you deal with what's inside. And so that selfishness is really kind of that root for a lot of issues that we face individually and as a couple. Yeah. Well, when you think about a relation or a team, I love the team analogy just because uh, team, no individual wins in a team sport. Really doesn't matter. And how often... <laughs> how I was like, we're, we might be selfish. How, often, bit, how often do I want to win fights? I like fights? to win. <laughs> I like to win too. Like, we're super competitive. And there, how many times do we get into a fight? And it's like, wait a second, we've missed the point of this situation, you know? And, and we say, okay, God, how could we have humility to say, actually, at the end of the day, the fight doesn't matter. This thing we're arguing about is secondary to the relationship. But how many times do we put something else above the relationship that we're fighting? whether it's our needs, our answer, our decision, what do we do? And so how do we view things as a team? Are there any, uh, is there anything that you would give advice to say, okay, well, here's some practical things, even just how to think as a team as opposed to thinking individually? Yeah, I think part of that gets into what your mindset is as you approach that person. Like, I think, and we get into this next a little bit, just that idea of kindness and that focus on somebody else. Like, the more that we focus on that other person, I think the more that we're in alignment with that example that Jesus set for us and just kind of the calling that God has for us. And so as we're focused on that other person, we're in tune to their thoughts, their feelings, their wants, their needs. And at that point, that's where we get into that win-win situation. We're truly a team at that point because we're working together and ideally both of us are doing that. So people are getting their needs met, but it's doing so for the other, not for the self. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, so let's get into that a little bit. When we talked, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about living in the, uh, uh, being filled with the fruit of the spirit versus the, f the fruit of flesh, right? And doing things our own. And the fruit of the spirit, one of the fruit of the spirit is one that you guys brought up. And the, there's clearly been a bunch of writing about that from Gottman and stuff like that, about this whole word of kindness. 
And what is kind of like, what does that look like in a home? What does that mean? Like some of those kind of things. So could you share a little bit of that? Yes. Um, so kindness. So think about like your best friend or your friends. What do you like about them? One of the things is probably that they're kind. One of the things is probably when you call, they're not like, what? <laughs> they're like, yeah. They're like, hey, how are you? Um, and so it's easy for us with friendships that they get like the best of us. They get our, our happy selves. And our spouse will sometimes get the leftovers. And so if you can approach your spouse um, or your boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, um, with the same mentality of, like, hey, how are you? You want to be kind to them. That's going to set a better foundation than what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, you answered my question. I was like, I can be kind to my friends, but not always to Greg. So there you go. I just learned something new. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lindsay. <laughs> I got nothing profound to say, but I mean, learning stuff over here. Yeah, but it, it is such a struggle for us. Like, it, it, it's so funny because there's been so many years of research that goes into it, and kindness is the outcome. Like, seriously, like that, it's so simple. It's something that, you know, we teach our preschoolers, we teach our, our kindergartners and stuff. Like, don't hit, don't bite, depending on how feral your kids are. Like, you know, sure, like be kind. And so, and that, that was me as a kid. Uh, but but be, be kind. But that's something that we struggle with as adults, especially when we're like tired, when we're hungry, when we've had a, a hard day at work. Kindness is like the last thing on the list, but it's so crucial for a healthy relationship. Yeah. Yeah, you think about that. We're all day long, we're intentional with how we start conversations with people, how we relate with other people, you know. I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to be nice to everybody, right? But you have a hard day and you come home. Do I have that same attitude toward Amber? Do I have that same attitude when, I, when I'm able to just relax for a second? Sometimes we use relaxing or like I've had a long day as an excuse to not actually care for the people closest to us, which is really painful and, and it's detrimental to relationships clearly. And so, yeah, that's good stuff. Super simple, really deep stuff here, guys. Be kind. Hey. This stuff is not that hard, but we don't do it very well, do we, right? All right, so uh, another area that, uh, so one of the places where kindness and grace honestly gets thrown out at times can be when it comes to conflict, right? We talk about conflict, and we get into an argument. There's a, there's a grievance. There's something that you're disagreeing on, whatever, and sometimes kindness goes away. So can you talk to us a little bit? What are some healthy thoughts when it comes to conflict and dealing with conflict together? Um, so I'll use the team analogy again. Um, say we'll use football this time, and there you if go. you <laughs> um, football, you have a playbook, right? And so you're gonna call you're gonna call a certain play. If you're on a team, you're gonna call a play, and one of you might run the wrong direction, or the quarterback might get sacked, um, or throw a terrible pass. Now, when you're on the field. In the middle of this conflict, if the teammates are like, I don't know if I can say this, these words, stupid idiot. Like, what are you doing? Why oh, you do that? I, know. I know. She's saying naughty words up here. I was naughty like, what words. is she going to say? 
<laughs> We're all on the edge of our I seats. Can't like, I can't wait. I can't wait to hear. I'm glad it's her, not it me. It came to my mind. I'm like, I don't know if you can say that at church. But, <laughs> so, so, you know, basically, you're not, you're not name-calling. You're not getting after each other. You're like, yep, whoops, we dropped it. We missed that one. Let's time out. Let's get out there and do it again. You're still on the same team. You're going to screw it up, um, but you stop. You communicate about it in a way that moves you forward so you can win the game. Yeah, for sure. I think, like, she had emphasized that stop portion of it. I think that's another aspect, practically speaking, that's so important when we get into conflicts, being able to recognize when it's like, I'm out of my depth here. Like, I'm, I don't have skills for this situation. I'm stressed out. I'm whatever. Starting to say things that you don't mean that aren't helpful, um, you need to take a break. You need to take a step back from that. So being able to work with your spouse ahead of time when things are good to say, okay, we got to stop that, that pattern and take a break sometimes. Uh, the other side to that, though, is come back. Like, come back for it. Like, there's a lot of couples that come into my office that are, you know, it was, it was a quiet week. It was super peaceful. And then I find out they never talked about it. Like, they just, like, all sorts of stuff happened. We just didn't, we just didn't talk about it. Uh, but the problem is, is that there is no rug big enough to keep sweeping that amount of stuff under. So at some point, you got to come back for it. The other aspect of it is, is being aware of where your skills are, like honestly. Like when we talk about physical things, like I know I am not going to run a marathon tomorrow. Like that, I, I don't have the physical skills right now for that kind of thing. But when it comes to communication and conflict, we don't think that way. Like we just kind of keep trying to muscle through, push through um, and we have conversations or conflicts that just are terrible. Like, it's just a disaster because we just don't have the skills on that. So work for that. Try to hone the, and build those skills. Um, and yeah. I will say with that, like, being able to, like, read a book or a podcast is good for those kinds of things. But there is no replacement for somebody that's with you, that loves you, and will speak truth into your life to call out things specifically. Because they can say truthfully, like, this is what I'm seeing for you. Not... Like in a book, you can, you can cherry pick chapters yeah. <laughs> to like, I know my spouse is struggling with this, like, and we can do that, but we can instead have somebody speak to us and point it out so we can dig into it. That's good. That's good. So what do you, when it comes to, you can't just read a book. Amber's saying, I just can't read books over here. <laughs> there's, so, there's some weight on that one. Yeah, I felt yeah, that. Did you? So, I didn't say it on the microphone. She didn't. She was so respectful. <laughs> She's so kind. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> so we'll take, I'll use Amber and I as an example of this one, so then give some advice, because I know this isn't just a me and her thing. I talk to so many people like this. So Amber's extremely good using her words. When we get into a, you know, an argument or whatever, I'm not as good with my words. Um, so how, what, So you I know, usually win the so argument. Exactly, she wins the argument, because she's always better. So... But I know when I talk to other couples, I'm like, yeah, my wife feels, she knows how to talk about her feelings, and I don't know how to talk about my feelings. So are there any advice of, like, how to deal with those kind of feelings conversations how to when you don't feel, how to talk about your feelings in a way when you, maybe that's a struggle for you? Um, well, one method that I've had people use before is, like, if things, I guess if you're having a hard time communicating, then this wouldn't be it. But if you get a talking stick, so Amber gets to hold the talking stick. And Amber gets the talk. And then when it's Greg's turn, he gets the talking stick, and Amber has to be quiet. 
And um, it's okay. It feels like kindergarten, but it sounds, I know. <laughs> sounds like a great idea, though. Yes. Yep. I don't like this one. <laughs> so sorry, Lindsay. I love you. <laughs> so, and it's okay for Greg, when you have the talking stick, to say, I hear what you're saying. I need a little time to think about this and process it, and I'll come back to it. Because some of us are verbal processors, mm -hmm. and we just say it out loud, we, we think it out loud, others of us are not. And so we need time to take it all in, sit with it for a little bit, and then come back and say, okay, here's what I'm thinking, here's what I really want to say. Yeah. And that's okay to do. You don't have to be good at talking really fast. But yeah. like, how long do we wait for them to come back? <laughs> I mean, I'm just wanting to know. So. <laughs> Kate, she's asking, somebody, she's asking for a friend. <laughs> Valid. <laughs> you know, I get, it depends on how deep it is, like how big of an issue it is. If it's something small, take like 15 minutes, 30 minutes. Um, if it's a big thing, you might need a day or two. And then say, okay, let's talk about what we started talking about the other day. Yeah, that's good. That's good, yeah, and I, I'm using us as an example, but I would just say I talk to lots of guys who struggle that way. Like, this is a normal thing for guys. So, uh, you know, it's, so it requires, you said earlier, kind of a game plan or ground rules or whatever, so that requires to have some of that on the front end because if you're going to have the ground rule that says, hey, there might be moments where we need time, then we have to prepare for that. So we, we've agreed to that on the front end rather than waiting on it. So, Cool. All right, so uh, we run short on time, but we got, I want to make sure that we have plenty of time to talk about this one, and that is uh, the topic of unforgiveness, right? Because we talked about unforgiveness a few weeks ago, um, and I will just say there were many of you, I don't get a lot of, when you preach every week, you don't get a lot of feedback, but when I talked about unforgiveness, a lot of you came and gave feedback saying, man, that hit me between the eyes, that's something I'm struggling with, and it wasn't just in marriage relationships, it's relationship with fathers, or relationships with friends, relationship with coworkers, uh, all those kind of things, and so can you give us, all right, we said yes, all right, we talked about this idea, yeah, that we understand unforgiveness is holding us in chains, unforgiveness is keeping us locked up, and we need to drop the chains, okay, well, how? How do we do that? And so can you give us just some, some thoughts around that? Yeah, I think one of the things I want to pay attention to with, with unforgiveness or difficulties forgiving someone, something to highlight with it, I guess, is that it's a really good mirror for what's going on inside. Like relationally, it's kind of one of those things as well where it can really show you where your cracks are. I know like when I got married, like there was we had no conflicts, like the typical kind of thing while we're dating, but once you get in a, a couple years, then you start to see like, oh, that's different. Like, <laughs> didn't see that coming, or that, that sounded a lot like my mom or my dad or, or what have you, um, in not the, not the great ways. And so paying attention to those things, like unforgiveness is a really good reflection of what's going on there. And so when you recognize those things, that there's, there's patterns, there's traits to certain people trigger us, certain phrases trigger us, certain situations are just harder for us to deal with than others, recognize that and do something about it. There's so many times where people kind of, it, it, it's like living in fear for the most part, I think, just trying to avoid those things. Like, I'm not going to talk to that person anymore. I'm not going to interact with that situation anymore. Or if that phrase comes up, I'm, I'm out. I'm just out of this relationship. And so paying attention to when that comes up and dig into it, work it out somehow. Um, whether that's seeing counseling, whether that's with a good friend, good family member, that kind of thing, to dig in on those skills. 
Yeah. yeah. I think um, kind of the verse that you used helped me with my unbelief. I believe helped me with my unbelief. Um, forgiveness can start there too. Hmm. Um, I forgive you. Help me forgive him. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. um, sometimes it's a it's an opposite to emotion action is what we'd call it. Um, if the action would be beneficial to you, but your emotion is the opposite, like you're digging your heels in and don't feel right, then you need to act opposite to what your emotion is telling you and do what you know you need to do. Oh, yeah. So, so what does that look like? <laughs> like, how do, I, how do I do that? So there's somebody, like, because you, you still feel it. So is there ever a point where, uh, like, forgiving does change your feeling? Like, how does that play? Um, yeah, sometimes it takes a while, right? It's a process. Um, and I think you start, you get, you get the ball rolling, and eventually, eventually feelings will follow. Sometimes it's a matter of radical acceptance. Like, forgiving them doesn't mean it's okay. And I think you mentioned in the sermon, it doesn't mean I forget about it. It just means I forgive you. And now my part of this is I have to radically accept, radically, like 100% all the way, throw yourself into accepting that this is how it is, this happened, and now it's time for me to move forward. Okay. And I, th I think it's, it's amazing like how much it changes when somebody softens their stance on something. Like when, you're, when you allow your heart to soften a little bit, it, it disarms that other person and helps them to realize, okay, this is not about this person, it is about the issue, and the focus changes. There's so many times when I'm upset about something or I'm holding on to something, like I just grumble, 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 like, and I'm just upset, but as soon as I see that person show any sort of like, you know what, uh, I'm sorry, that, that was my fault, or I own part of that, or whatever, my whole stance changes. And so that's why I push you to, to be that person, to initiate that pattern. Yeah. There's a, I've used it before, the fundamental attribution error, which is, if you're not familiar with what that is, is that we have a tendency to attribute if you, uh, your decisions to your character or your actions to your character and ours based on our intentions. So that means when you cut somebody off, or when, if you were to cut somebody off in traffic, you would see yourself as like, oh, I wasn't a busy and I didn't see them. But when somebody else cuts you off in traffic, you're like, they're a horrible person. Yeah. Everything they do is horrible. You know, and so, so like when we're talking like forgiveness, I think it's really easy when someone has hurt us with a very specific, this obviously, if it's prolonged, it may feel a little bit different, but when it's a very specific singular moment, it's very easy to say, they're a hor this is who they are. They're, they do horrible things, they're horrible to people, and to have that view of them, which then makes forgiveness probably hard when we view someone like that versus saying, no, they've, they've made a mistake here. They've, even if it was intentional, that's not fundamentally, I can see beyond that moment in some way, which can hopefully breathe some life there. But, okay, cool. Any other thoughts around unforgiveness? Okay. Okay, I want to I kind of close with one last thing because I think this is a really practical one uh, for those. Uh, raise your hand if you are married and you have a child 18 or younger. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay. So we got a lot of people in that season in life, okay? And so... So this is one of those things that, well, we will be the first to say we don't get this one perfect, but it's one that we try to work at. And why is that? Because 
probably 15 years ago, we were a part of a church, and there was a, I mean, it was over like a couple of years, I was seeing the same thing happen over and over again. I would see these couples who had all their kids in the house, and they seemed like these nice couples. And then the last kid would graduate high school, and then they got a divorce. And I was like, what is going on? <laughs> and it kept happening, kept happening over and over and over again. And come to, come to realize, and if you've got kids, you understand this, you know, where you start in a relationship and it's like, oh, it's you and me, it's you and me, it's you and me. And then suddenly, it's the children. And your eyes have a tendency to turn from one another and now it's turned toward the children. And as there's some positive in that, there's like some good in that, Obviously, you got an infant. We've got to pay attention to this child. It's like the hopes and dreams of all the years are met in thee tonight. You know, it's this, this child is everything for us. But if you lose sight of this, this becomes a toxic. You've, you've disordered your home in some way. You know, like in my, my life, what it, my roles should be child of God, like Christ first, Amber, my kids, and the church. Okay, that's the order, right? It gets dysfunctional as a pastor if the church, I love the church more than I love my family. And, you know, I've said, I said this to the board when they hired us, listen, we ain't building this church on my family's back, okay? Because at the end of this thing, one day, those are still gonna be my children. If we are ever not here, they are still my kids. This is still my wife. They are first. They come first in our life. And we have to have that mindset. But when it comes to the kids, it can feel good good. Like I'm doing the right thing. I'm loving my kids and I'm caring about my kids, taking care of my kids. And all of our life is wrapped up in our kids. But if we're not careful, our whole world becomes the children and no longer about us at all. And when that happens, guess what? They turn into teenagers and they don't want to be around you anymore. (laughs) I know it's sad, Amber. She's getting depressed up here. And, th- and then one day they do leave your home because you may not realize this, but that's the point. <laughs> like, leave your home eventually. And when they leave your home, it's just the two of you. And a lot of people are like, who are you? I don't even know if I like you anymore. Like, we don't do anything together anymore. Like, we don't have a relationship anymore. So the most practical thing you can do, I know this for our kids, and we tell our kids this sometimes. Listen, kids, if they start whining, why do you mom have to go on a date? Why do you have to leave us tonight? I said, listen, the best gift we can give you is that we have a healthy relationship. Not that we have a perfect relationship, but that we're pursuing a healthy relationship. It's the best gift that we can give you. So what does that mean? That means we have to pursue liking each other, not just loving each other. Okay? Because you all say you love each other, but you don't always act like you like each other, okay? And to like each other, we have to like pursue doing things together that don't involve the children, okay? Does that mean we got to go on dates? Some of you are like, oh, I, I, we went out with, with someone, I forget, recently, and we didn't go out with them. They were talking to me about it, and they're like, yeah, it's the first date we have been on in like a year and a half. I'm like, that's a long time without going on a date with your spouse, Okay, it's good. It is good for your children. Leave them at home. Leave them with someone else. Maybe you don't have any money because I remember we, you don't always have money for babysitters. So what do we do? Like sometimes you might have to like find somebody, tra- trade with a friend of yours. Like we're going to watch your kids. You watch our kids. We're going to go on some way. We've done that with the Earhart's before. Like can you watch our kids? We'll watch your kids kind of thing, whatever. But how can you take steps to like we're going to go on a date together? And then another one is take a trip with just the two of you sometime, even if it's just one night. 
okay? You might not have lots of money, but do it. Find a way. Scrounge up some money and say, hey, we're going to go get away for a night or two. And just the two of us, we're going to forget the children a little bit. And we're going we're gonna to try and prioritize this because there will be a day when they're gone. And if you don't take the time to invest in it, you're not going to like each other. Amber, you got some stuff to say? I know she's ready to talk. I have lots to say. No, um, I think sometimes it's hard to think of the long game. You yeah. know, like my kids are my priority right now. And this is the season of life we're in. All we do is sports games and all we do is things that are around them. And so sometimes because of our season of life, our date nights look different. Sometimes it's we go for a walk every night. That's like my favorite thing to do. It doesn't need to be like, take me to a restaurant. It can be like, let's go for a walk. At least we get some time just to hang together, to talk with one another, to catch up on the day. Um, you know, and being more creative of things like that. Because again, it, there isn't a lot of time in the day sometimes or in the week sometimes, but making that a priority. And yeah, getting away with your spouse is amazing if you can do it. And once you do it, it's like, oh, that was actually fun. Because I do think, sorry, I love him, but I don't always like him. That's just the reality. And I'm going to be truthful with you. And it, when you do hang out and you do things like that, you're like, oh, actually, I do like you. You don't <laughs> bug me all the time. You know? <laughs> I'm just saying what y'all are thinking, right? But maybe not all of you, I'll be fair. But I do think like that's important because you do remember like, oh, we can have fun together. It's not just all about yeah. our kids all the time. Yeah, yeah, because you know that some of you, especially you get in that season where you've got two and three and four-year-olds and you got several of them and you just feel like life is crazy all the time, right? Or maybe you're in the season like we are where you're hauling kids all over the place and it's easy to, to get in this roommate mentality with your spouse where you're no longer caring about one another. You're just taking care of the kids. And if you're not intentional, like that's the word about everything in real life, if you're not intentional, then things go sideways. And I know, Lindsay, you had mentioned something even about, you know, some dynamics being different, potentially if, if this is maybe a remarriage or something like that. Can you share about that a little bit? Yeah, um, I think those situations have to be looked at a little bit differently sometimes if, if it's like a yeah, divorce, remarriage situation and there's kids, stepkids involved. Um, depending on the ages of the kids, especially if there's a new person coming into the picture when your kids are like older, uh, like younger teenagers, older teenagers, um, they're going to be like, what? Who is this person? Why are they coming into our lives? So that you need to be a little more, um, maybe a little more sensitive to the kids about so they know that they're still a priority. They've been through a lot already. Yeah. There's been a divorce um, or a death. Um, so they are still a priority. And that it's a tricky balance, but you can do it. Yeah. Um, so then in that case, sometimes it's more of an equal situation for a little while. Yeah. To establish, yeah. That's good, because we, we have to recognize that every relationship is, and I think it's just good to point out, every relationship dynamic is different. Because you look around this room, none of us are the same. None of our personalities are the same. None of our backgrounds are the same. None of our, our experiences are the same. And so as a result, our relational dynamics can be different. So we have to take that into account, to be honest, and say, okay, God, I'm going to bring my heart, I'm going to bring my best, I'm going to bring everything that I've got, and then trust that you can kind of shape us and continue to form us into a healthy relationship. And so part of the reason why I wanted to bring, hopefully some of these things are challenges for you. My, my challenge to you would be to, to take one of the things we just talked about, 
you know? Maybe it's an issue of a teammate mentality. Maybe it's an issue of choosing kindness. Maybe it's you got kids and it's like, hey, we're going to force ourselves to take a date, okay? We're going we're gonna to figure something out. We're going to be intentional with our... Whatever the thing is, I, I hope that you just pick, pick one thing that you can be specific about. But part of the reason why I also wanted to bring uh, Lindsay and Jeff up here was just to say that there are some of you that potentially you have been in a long-term toxic situation, there's been trauma from a long time, or you've been having this marital conflict that's two decades in the making, but you've never said, I need help to somebody else. Or maybe it's not even a relationship. Maybe you've been dealing with an addiction. Maybe you've been dealing with some other, uh, you know, uh, stronghold in your life in some way, and it's been going on and on, and you constantly are saying, man, I just keep banging my head against the wall in this area. Right? I prayed it through. I've been to the altar. I've been to the altar a hundred times praying through this thing. I've, you know, okay, it's okay to say I need help. It's okay to say, you know what, I need someone else to help me through this. And so, whether that's seeking out a Christian counselor, whether that's seeking out another mentor in your life, but taking the moment to say it's okay to say I don't have all the answers. All right, and we want to be the kind of church, we say this, we embrace the struggle. And guess that? That means if you're going to embrace the struggle, then that means we're all going to see, sometimes we're going to see the ick in each other's lives. We're going to see the ugly. But that's okay because until we're willing to bring the stuff to the light, God can't really do a healing work in our heart. And we sometimes need the, the input of another person who can speak life into us and bring direction and correction and encouragement in our lives, okay? Awesome. Well, I'm going to invite you to stand with us across the room as we're just going to kind of wrap up our time this morning. Uh, this is very much one of those practical messages for us, uh, but hopefully we can take a step. As we wrap our time together, uh, I want to invite our prayer team forward. Maybe you're here this morning and you and your spouse would say, you know what? This is a thing we want to step into and we just want to, we want to lean into and, and pray with someone about this. Uh, maybe for some of you, you've got another need, you've got a physical need, something else going on. Uh, I would encourage you to uh, go ahead and do that. But uh, I want to just take a moment to pray over our couples this morning. And so if you are here and standing next to your spouse, I want you to just grab hands with your spouse for a second. And I just want to pray a blessing over our marriages. Uh, because even for those of you who would say, well, I'm not married. Yeah, that's great. But my guess is you still hope that all the marriages here are healthy, right? I, I hope that the marriages here are healthy. I hope that the marriages in this place are growing. I hope that the families here are raising kids for Jesus and doing it in, a, in the healthiest way possible. And so our prayer is that we would be that kind of a, a, a family here. And so God, we say thank you. We thank you that marriage is your idea. We thank you that relationship was your idea. And we need your help because we're imperfect people. We don't always get this thing right, Lord. God, I pray that first and foremost, we would continue to receive your grace and receive your mercy and, and continue to receive your love, Lord, that we would find our everything in you, Christ, that you would be our source. And Lord, I pray that then you would help us to extend grace and mercy and love toward our spouses. Lord, I pray against everything the enemy would do to try to bring division in our homes, in our marriages. We know that the enemy wants to come and steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to do that in every marriage, in every home represented here, in every relationship. Uh, in every, every time we encounter a person, he wants to bring division, not unity. And so we pray against that. We pray protection in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to pursue health, Lord, and recognize that it all starts and begins with humility, when we bring our hearts before you, before one another, and saying, God, help us to love as you loved us first, Lord. We 
pray that, Lord. And God, I pray for any marriages right now that in this moment they're holding their spouse's hand, but there's anger and there's unforgiveness and there's division. Lord, I pray that you would begin to soften their hearts, Lord. And God, I pray that you'd start a new journey. God, I pray a year from today, people would be able to look back and say, you know what? Our relationships are in a healthier place than they were because we chose to turn. We chose to repent. We chose to pursue each other. Lord, we pray that we ask that. In the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen, amen.